at six years old, she's adopted by a master swordsman named Akoaka Daisuke. And she begins her martial arts training. What Nakano was really good at was called the Naginata. And they end up forming this group of 20 to, like 20 to 30 women who are now called the Joshitai, which is, I guess, I guess loosely translates to army of women. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I am Sarah Gorski. I'm Sam Eggers. And I'm Chloe Skye. And you guys, today I bought us another badass broad. Yeah. Have you guys heard of Nakano Takeko? No. I mean, only from your text last night saying that you were covering her today, but... <laughs> well, I have one word for you. Samurai. Yes. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yes. It, her story is a relatively uh, short one because she had a relatively short life, but she is a badass. I'm just going to jump right in. Nakano Takeko was born in Edo, which is present day, that's Tokyo, in 1847. Her family was from Aizu, which is a town on the western edge of the Fukushima Prefecture. I never know how to say that word. Pre, I think prefecture. Prefecture. The Fukushima prefecture. Um, and she pretty good family, but uh, at six years old, she's adopted by a master swordsman named Akoaka Daisuke or Daisuke. She's and adopted she be- like from her family, like they gave her or the re- the sources I was reading did not kind of specify why specifically, but what it seemed like to me was that this swordmaster recognized that this girl had some talent and was like, hey girl, you're my daughter now. Let's do some training. Awesome. So he's a master swordsman and she begins her martial arts training in Edo, in Tokyo. She, when she's a little girl, she reads all of these stories of all these ancient samurai women doing all this badass shit all over feudal Japan. Her favorite stories, she has, there's all these stories of these women warriors that are at this, and we're talking, so this is 1850s, around 1850s, right? This is even before the American Civil War, but not that long ago, relatively speaking. So we're not talking about like ancient Japan. We're talking about recent Japan, recent feudal Japan. Um, So she's reading all these stories and there's this, there's this particularly awesome samurai woman named Tamoi Gozen who, by the way, I'm going to probably do another episode on at some point in this podcast. She was from the 12th century. And besides successfully leading samurai troops into battle against warring clans, she was also known for beheading the leaders of the opposing clans. Super sexy. Nice. (laughs) And so so little baby Nakano is like reading all these stories and she's super into it. And she's training with this master swordsman. She also is studying literature and poetry and art. And she's doing rigorous training with swords, spears, and hand-to-hand combat. The sources I found were talking about uh, how Master Akakoa was being... He, he was a one-hand sword-style fighter. So that's where you're only fighting with one hand, not like a broadsword with two big hands, something like that. But what Nakano was really good at and what she started to specialize in was called the Naginata, which is the polearm 
a bladed polearm. It's a really long stick with like a giant machete at the end of it, right? <laughs> and this becomes her specialty weapon. And she's fucking amazing at it. And and this was especially so it actually was not I I always get surprised at like how weirdly sexist and sometimes not sexist thing, particular eras are. And Japan was not it was not uncommon for women to train and to to be warriors. Like it it wasn't super weird, apparently. Um, but the polearm was a was a favored weapon amongst women because it, it lets you get more distance from your enemies, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of being up in their faces, you actually have like 20 feet where you can cut people from. <laughs> um, Badass. So it was a huge advantage uh, over other samurai who are just doing like the close-up swords that, you know, the samurai swords, which are, which are like in your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... She was very, very good, and she was drilling with the the Naginatas like, like eight hours a day for ten years straight. Whoa. She's like training and training, and she's a badass bitch, and she's leveling up, and she's getting amazing. And she also started teaching the local women in Edo. She was like teaching the other noble women uh, how to fight too. Like she became kind of like this like woman trainer. She got so good that she started training all the other women in the area who were interested. And so she's training everyone how to cut up dudes and how to fight. And she's doing really, really well at it. And then at some point, her master swordsman was like, hey, girl, listen, you, gotta, you really got to marry my nephew. What? <laughs> and she was like, no, no. And it got, things got weird. Like there was all this pressure from the, the sources I found that, that were like, he was really, really trying to get her to marry into his family. And she vehemently did not want to do that. She's like a badass warrior bitch. She does not want to get married. She does not want to settle down. And so she's like, I, I'm going to go back. I'm, I'm going to go back home. I don't really, I'm uncomfortable now. So she goes back home to her, her original family, her real family, uh, back in Aizu, where she was born. So fast forward a little bit. It's 1868 and Nakano is 21. And at this point, Japan blows up into kind of a civil war between these two factions. There's this traditional old school samurai faction who wanted everything to continue in Japan the way it always was the last 250 years. This like old school samurai way of life. Um, And then there's this other faction, the Maiji Restoration is kind of this period. I think the Maiji is this other faction who was like, no, no, we got to modernize. We got to actually get some guns in here. These samurai swords are the way of the past. Let's bring in the guns. Let's modernize Japan. It's like the movie, The Last Samurai, starring Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. That was literally... Uh, quoted, not quoted, but referenced in some of the sources I found. They were like, oh yeah, and this is the period of time we're in that movie with Tom Cruise. Happened, yes. Right? <laughs> and, the, and the Tom Cruise characters, not to talk about Tom Cruise too much here, but uh, <laughs> like they, so they were on the same side. So the people of Aizu and Nakano, they're on the traditionalist side. They're the old school samurai. So that's the same side that I think the movie uh, Last Samurai kind of takes place is, is those soldiers, these old school fighters. And they were, they're like, fuck no. We are not going to modernize. We're going to keep the system the way it is. We do not want to dismantle feudalism. It's working fine. And they refuse to kind of bow down to the opposing forces. 
in general, though, things are not going well for their side. So the Maiji forces overthrow the shogun, who's the, like the military leader, and they seize control of the country, and they start to implement this plan to modernize Japan. But all the warriors and samurai in Nakano's hometown, Aizu, they refuse to submit, and they refuse any instruction, any orders, anything. They're like, no, 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 no. We're not having it. We are not having it. The old way's our way. And so... The, the Maiji send 30,000 imperial soldiers to march on Aizu. This is October 1868. Uh, and they close in around the castle, the, the main castle of Aizu. And they're calling for the submission of all the lords. They want all the lords to submit. They're like, nope, old way's over, new way's in, new way's in. And somehow the castle at Aizu ends up like lasting pretty long. So they had like 30,000 of these imperial troops with guns, by the way. Nakano and her people did not have guns. It was it was 30,000 of these gun-wielding soldiers against like 5,000 old-school defenders, right? So it's the odds are like 5 to 1 and it looks pretty bad, but they hold out for to- like for for many days it says. I didn't say a specific amount of days, but it said many days. Which was surprising, considering the odds. Now, in the midst of all of this, Nakano is there, and she has sworn that she would be there to face the enemy head on. And to do anything less would be dishonorable by the samurai code, Bushido. So she's running around in all this chaos, and she's organizing the women. And she kind of assembles and is working with and doing like training with 20 to 30 women from the castle, which she's already kind of been doing at this point. Like she had has been training women to be badass warriors basically this whole time. Um, so she organizes all these women, including her mother and her 17 year old sister. And they end up forming this group of 20 to like 20 to 30 women who are now called the Joshitai, which is, I guess, I guess loosely translates to army of women. How clever. <laughs> army of women. And so these women have all been trained in hand-to-hand combat and military commands. And they're like, okay, we're ready. We're ready. We're going to defend. We're going to defend this castle. But the main troops are like, mm, I don't, you're women. I, I don't think we should put you out there. But then uh, October 10th, 1868, the enemy breaks through the outer defenses of the castle and it starts wailing on this uh, small artillery unit. And finally, whoever's in charge of the, the defense is like, okay, all right, okay, okay, Nakano, you and the women can go and help defend this particular small unit here who, that's getting wailed on. So Nakano takes her Joshi tie and they go into position to defend the guns. And at first, the, the, the dudes they're defending were like, I don't, I don't know what to do with these chicks. Like, what are we going to do with these chicks? They don't know what they're doing. But the enemy was super relentless and they kept pushing forward. And eventually the front line is like right there. Like in my mind, I'm imagining like the no man's land scene in Wonder Woman, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where where, like there's all this like heavy, heavy, heavy gunfight. And they're like, okay, okay, Nakano and the Joshi Tai, you got to hold the line for us. So they're outnumbered five (sighs) to one. They're a unit of women with pole arms against these professional hired soldiers with fancy rifles. Like uh, the articles I read were talking about how they're like Civil War era muskets, right? Is what they're fighting against. And Nakano wasn't an idiot. She knew what the odds were. Five to one, not great. So before the battle, while they're all, you know, all this madness is going on outside, before they're sent to the front line, she writes her death poem. Oh. There's like this traditional call- calligraphy style. And she makes her sister Yuko promise not to let them take her alive and not to let them have her head. 
So apparently samurai warriors, it's like a big thing that happened in battle where you would take the person's head that you that you defeated. G- kind of similar to scalping, you know, where, where they take the head as a trophy and they try to scare the shit out of other people with it. And her sister's like, okay, they're not going to take you alive. They're not going to take us alive. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. And her sister and her mother are both badass fighters, by the way. All these women know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly what they're being sent to do and how hopeless it is. Now that I clarified that, back to battle here. So she orders the charge and her, her badass samurai women, the Joshi Tai, run directly to the front line with their pole arms screaming. And at first, the enemy doesn't fire back. They were like, what the fuck? Like, what, what's going on here? What, one of the sources I found said that because the Joshi Tai cut their hair and had it pulled back and they wore tr- like big loose trousers, that they thought that they were just like a bunch of teenage boys. Oh my and they and they didn't know. They were like, I don't know. Do we shoot them? And then they eventually figure out that it's women, women soldiers, but they still don't fire because they want to take them alive for quote probably not chivalrous reasons. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. Sources I found. Yeah. Then, yeah. That sounds. And so right. they were like, they're like, oh no no, it's women. Oh, we should keep them alive. This was their mistake though. <laughs> Okay, here's where I'm going to start to quote one of the articles I found because he just, the guy who wrote this article, he like narrates it like this epic movie and I just can't do better than him. So I'm going to just kind of quote him. So the first guy who tries to put his hands on Nakano Takeko gets her naginata to the skull and it, quote, splits his helm and spirals him to the deck in a tornado of blood. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going with this quote because it's so good. The Joshitai slammed into the enemy formation, their commander leading the charge in a flurry of strikes and parries. To each side, two more men went down, slashed to shreds by Nakano's swift and deadly strikes. She parried, weaved, and slammed another foe to the ground, hacking him apart, then wheeled and jammed the point of her naginata through another rifleman's heart. As her heroic Joshitai dealt death all around her, Nakano killed six battle-hardened, well-trained enemy warriors in a whirlwind of destruction and mayhem, her actions inspiring the castle's defenders to resist and showing them how a true samurai lives. But then, as she spun to face her next adversary, a rifle shot rang out. The bullet struck her in the chest, dropping her with a mortal wound. End quote. Mm. So she takes down six guys with her bare hands, and then she gets hit in the middle of the chest with a bullet. Her, her sister Yuko rushes to her side, and true to her promise, cuts her head off and takes it with her so that the enemy can't take it. Wow. wow. That's hardcore. Isn't, isn't that insane? It's so her hardcore. Sister, and she might not have even... Some of the sources implied that like she wasn't dead yet, but that like she was about to die and She's so like, her sister like was please probably... cut my head off Ooh. and one of and one of the sources said her sister like needed help doing it oh, which geez. you know that would make sense because beheading someone is like not it's like, not easy like yeah no even like, with a so, naginata it, it, it takes a, a ton of strength and i'm sure like doing it to your own sister can't, can't be easy oh, wow so aizu castle ends up holding out a couple more days after is after nakano dies eventually though november 6th it falls and that moment, the fall of Aizu Castle, effectively marks the end of the samurai and the feudal system in Imperial Japan. Um, the good news, though, is that Yuko, her sister, is able to escape with her sister's head, and she buries it beneath a tree outside a quiet temple in Fukushima. 
And Nakano's Naginata is donated to a temple there. And supposedly the weapon is still on display today at Hokai Temple. Oh, wow. Cool. And uh, they call her the warrior heroine of Aizu. She, and she's still a local hero. Every year in Aizu, all the young girls in town dress up like Nakano Takeko and her Joshitai warriors. They pull their hair back and they put on these loose trousers and they carry naginatas and they parade around downtown for the Aizu Autumn Festival. Oh that's my amazing. God, that's adorable. Isn't it? I have some pictures of it too. It's really cute. <laughs> that so sounds like he, the best thing So ever. I have a question. Do they know what her death poem, like did the death poem survive? Do we know what it said? God, I didn't find it maybe i didn't look hard enough if i i'll try to look for it after this and see if i can put it on the website and maybe but, yeah maybe um, they don't have it too maybe it didn't survive yeah i think it was just like a well it's such a weird all the sources kind of talk about that that kind of pre-battle thing a little bit differently some of them said that her and her sister make a suicide pact together some of them say like i, I imagine it's just like where you know what her it's like her will and testament like mm, her last will mm-hmm. and testament i think mm-hmm. But um, I did not find the poem itself, though I'll keep looking for it now that you asked me that. I should have looked harder. I'm curious. Um, I have a samurai piece, like a little piece of samurai uh, uh, knowledge to share, if you guys would like to hear it. Yes. Well, I would. Tell me. Okay, so um, the samurai, traditionally, they had much better diets than everybody else you know they were sponsored by their you know whatever like house they were in and so they ate really really well and um so at that time the poor peasants would come into the city and they would purchase what is called night soil and night soil would be the citizens uh poop (laughs) and so they and they because they would take it back then and they would use it as fertilizer and it was, you really wanted to get the samurai's night soil because they had the best diets. And so they're, they had the best fertilizer. Wow. So your story is about samurai poop and how valuable it was. <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, they were like the, the military defense, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what the samurai, it wasn't just like a hobby. Right. <laughs> it was like a whole. Yeah, like a lifestyle. A whole lifestyle and a whole. Isn't that a crazy story, but awesome? I love it. I love that these little girls, that there is still a festival and that she is still honored and little girls dress up as her. I can't handle that. She was only 21 when this happened. She was at 21 years old. She had gathered this group of 30 women who she trained herself, including her mom and her sister. And she like, I don't know. She fought anyway, even though she knew that they were going to lose. The honor of the samurai was with her and she she fought to the very end. I love it. It's so it's badass. I love the part with the sister. That's really incredible. Like when you said the sister runs out there and takes her head, like that needs to, I mean, that needs to be a movie. All of these broads need, need their own movies, but they do truly. It's just so incredible. Well, when we form our broad, broads empire, begin (laughs) producing them. (laughs) I like that. Well, that is all I have for Nakano Takeko. What a broad. What a broad. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you again next week with another potentially badass broad you should know. If you like hearing me talk, (laughs) 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 I'll do a personal plug. Um, You can always hit me up on Instagram at Sarah Gorsky. That's S-A-R-A-G-O-R-S-K-Y. And I have a website, sarahgorsky.com, too. I'm an actor. I do other podcasts and films and things like that. I've got um, the, my most recent short film, Stairs, is actually doing really great 
in the horror festival circuit right now. It's like a yeah. micro short. It's like three minutes long. And it's like me being stuck on the stairs. And it's kind of amazing. It's like an Escher painting. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, that sounds delightful. Yeah. So that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of the other projects in the works, uh, quarantine projects, as you will. If you are at all interested in checking out any of my other podcasts or other work on the internet, I have another podcast called Modern Eyes with Sky and Stone, which is a film review podcast where we look at movies from 10 or more years ago with modern eyes, which means we talk about race and gender and politics, and we try to modernize the film if it were to be remade today. I also have a podcast called Sky and Stone Do Television, which is our television review show. So far, we have covered Euphoria, Watchmen, and Lovecraft Country with more to come. And you can check out my blog where I write about being trans or Star Trek or all anything else that I happen to be thinking about at the, to at the time, at the moment that I'm writing, at chloejadesky.com.